0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question
0: is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to
2: be a new IPO.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
2: I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers.
0: Invest Talk. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it unique. 88899
3: chart This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good
2: afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, December twenty eighth, twenty twenty one edition of Invest Talk, and only a couple more trading days in the year, uh, and then we head into twenty twenty two. It's been an interesting year, and I recently, <laughs> along with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the world, um, came down with. Uh, the Omicron variant of uh, COVID, so uh, definitely a lot lighter, um, but put me put me on a commission for a little bit. But I'm back uh, on the mend and here, ready to help you close out this year strong and head into 2022 with a with a plan and understanding of the risks and rewards as we enter into. A different market regime, a market regime that is very different from what you've experienced over the past, especially 18 months, where there's been a lot of stimulus, both on on the fiscal and monetary side, and that is starting to wane, and that's already had and will continue to have an ongoing effect on the market dynamics that you're seeing. And those market dynamics are likely playing out in your portfolio as well. And that means you need to be prepared. Know how to rebalance your portfolio in the new year. What are the best practices and market strategies that you can deploy to succeed in this environment? Because 2022 is unlikely to be uh, another 20-plus year return for the S&P. Anything's possible, but the odds are stacked against it for various reasons. But that does not mean there's not opportunity. does not mean that you can't use this year as a learning lesson. Every year can be a learning lesson markets change markets evolve so should your strategy so should your so so should your your mindset and there's no better time to do that than the end of the year to reset and that's what I'm here to help you do is to reset so you can make sure that you are on the right path to financial freedom now, today's program and podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So it's my assurance that whatever I'm talking about on today's show, I'm giving it to you without bias, just the statistics, the data, the perspective of over 20 plus years of investment experience. So I'm Justin Klein. Hello. Would I would like to Kurt- hear. If- Uh, I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. So I encourage you to call me and interact right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, that's no big deal. You can leave a message on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. Still, 888-99-CHARTS. Let's go right to our first listener question now.
1: Hello. I would like to get your opinion on Crane Shares Global Carbon Strategy ETF, KRB. And thank you.
2: All right, Carbon Shares (KRBN), and this is really about investing in carbon credits. And I do think I'm bullish on carbon credits uh, in the near term. There continues to be a global push from regulators and governments to create incentive structures to for industry to reduce carbon emissions. Now, how well is that working? I think that is something to be discussed and argued. And so longer term, I'm a bit, I'll say skeptical that this is going to ultimately lead down a path of lower carbon emissions. Because frankly, it have been around for a while and hasn't shown to make a great impact. Clearly, but an investor's job isn't to always assess whether government policy is effective or not, or the right strategy. Frankly, that's irrelevant for you as an investor. Your job is to take advantage of government policy, whether that's well-implemented or not. And I would say carbon credits are going up in price. And so having this, KRBN is the the symbol. It's a good way to gain exposure here. Having that as a part of a diversified portfolio, not a bad idea. Not going to be as correlated with other asset classes. So it's a good diversifier. The chart is strong, and there's not a whole lot of backlash or scrutiny on carbon credits yet. And therefore, I think the regulatory risk of them being reformed, taken away, reducing their value in some way is relatively low today. Now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, that might be different. So it's definitely an area you have to watch and, and make sure that the winds are don't start going the other way. And in the face of carbon credit prices today, the winds are at its back. And so I think this is a good diversifier for an aggressive portfolio. Now my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, smart tips to lower your federal income tax bill before 2021 ends the final week of the year, which means it's your last chance to reduce your tax liability by donating to charity doing tax loss selling, whatever it is. To lower that tax bill, you will have to move fast. So we're going to dig into some things you can do. So hopefully uh, make it better going into next year when you have to pay your taxes. Also, a lot of what people have made money over the past year and a half, whether that is in crypto, in the stock market, government transfer payments, unemployment benefits, etc., And that means household wealth is up. Is that the main driver behind low labor availability? We're going to look at some data there. 2022, what are companies planning to do when it goes, comes to buybacks, dividends, etc we're gonna look at that the, that data and what how that might play into the market next year and then lastly inflation in regards to clean energy is inflation eating into the potential deployment of lots of green projects so we're going to look at that story as well. well let's look at the market today we had the S&P down about five points. Very minor, minor down day after. And we've had four straight days up. Santa Claus rally has really been in full effect since mid last week. And. We were in an overbought situation. So really a pause day today is what I would call it. A lot of. Sectors, companies were overbought, and that often means there needs to be a pause day, day to consolidate these gains. This is a time of year where there's not a lot of trading, not a lot of activity. It's more of jockeying for tax reasons, like we discussed a little bit earlier, and volume remains relatively light. NYC was down seven points, so very, very Modest down day, kind of a pause day in the markets. Now we're heading into a break, but I'm here now. I'm taking your calls live. This is the way to get to me and interact with me. So give me a call. This is Invest Talk, eight eighty eight ninety nine chart.
0: The Invest Talk Voice Bank. Never close.
1: I have a question for you
0: about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. i have a question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance.
2: If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year.
0: No question is too simple. I wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast.
2: My
1: wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and
0: Justin are fearless.
2: That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF.
0: Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. We're counting down the days. New Year's Eve will be here soon. 2021 will be in the record books as we start a new year. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
2: 888-99-CHART, eight eight nine Let's go to Ken in Texas. He wants to talk about senior loans.
1: Yeah, Justin, I'm wondering what your thoughts on uh, senior loans right now. I've got a, an ETF, the SRLN uh, ETF for senior loans, which is yielding a little over about four, four and a half percent right now. Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm an old man looking for income and
1: and
0: you know I'm but know that it's placed right there between your high yield and, and your
1: investment-grade bonds is kind of where where I think it sits. Is that what you think and what do you think of them in general?
2: Well, senior loans are basically bank loans. Senior loans are, uh, they're, they're definitely higher risk than your general um, investment-grade bonds. Uh, they're floating rates. So, Right. Uh, that's a good thing in a rising interest rate environment, typically. In but short
1: duration, right?
2: They, mm, it depends. Um, they're not necessarily short duration. They're not necessarily a uh, uh, hedge against a big increase in uh, interest rates because uh, the, those loans might not float immediately. Meaning, e- for those those floating rate uh, rates to actually go up, the base rate has to rise over a certain level. Uh, and that varies depending on the bank. Okay. Right. And so, uh, on the loan, excuse me. And so, uh, it, it's, it can still have interest rate risk and it definitely has more credit risk than your, your high grade corporate bond ETF. Um, now this is uh, a name that continues to kind of be in a downtrend, uh, or a sector that's, uh, typically in a downtrend. What I would say is I wouldn't rely on it as your source of yield here. Um, because it's, it it can be variable. Um, and there is some credit risk there now as a part, as a part of a diversified set of, uh, bond exposure. I think it's fine it it, i put it in the bucket of high yield debt that you're that you're invested in so it's similar to high yield uh but i think uh typically a little bit better now it's also usually typically very concentrated in um in, in uh excuse me the uh certain sectors so you're you're not getting broad diversification there um because the the banks typically deal with certain um certain sectors so once again i think this is fine but it's not something you should have all of your bond exposure into because of the low or the high the high amount of credit risk that you're taking with it. thanks for the call now we're moving into a break and i do want to answer your questions so give me a call on invest talk at 888-99-CHART Invest
0: Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99 Chart.
2: Let's go to Gene in North Carolina and let's talk about 401k mistakes.
1: Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. A couple of days ago, you mentioned, uh, you gave a little list of common 401k mistakes. I wanted to add one or two things to that. Sure. Uh, one thing you mentioned was that if you're under, I guess, 59 and a half years old, if you withdraw any part of your 401k, you, there's a, besides paying taxes, you, you there's a 10% penalty. And that's the federal tax penalty, but for many people, they live in a state where there's actually a state tax penalty as well. So, for example, in California, where a lot of your audiences, there's a 2.5% early withdrawal penalty from, from a 401k or from a, a, an
2: IRA. I, I believe that. I, yeah, I, I, every state is a little bit different when it comes to uh, their tax policies. So definitely want to check yeah. with your own state too.
1: The other thing is dealing with uh, company matches. The mat, If you qualify to get a matching amount from the company, to be aware of when those company match amounts, if they are 100% vested when you when you earn them, or do you have to have a certain number of years of service before 25 or 50% or 100% you're 100% vested? Sometimes it takes uh, several years to be to actually qualify to receive the matching amount that you are kind of promised. You have to have a certain number of years of service. The, the worst thing would be to to voluntarily quit, let's say, one month or one week before you're, you ch- turn from 20, 25% vested to 50% or 100% vested. You'd be leaving thousands of dollars in, of uh, unclaimed money.
2: Yeah, that's definitely something everyone should be looking at if they're thinking about leaving their, their job uh, and uh, understand what their their plan is the for that job. Schedules. Like you said, if, if they're not vesting for three years and they only stay in, they plan to stay in the job for a year, then why uh, defer... Uh, more than you're, you're, you're able to uh, financially if that match is going to go away anyway. So, yeah, that's definitely something to consider uh, both when you're thinking about contributing uh, and how much and then leaving the job as well. Okay, thanks, bud. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the call, Gene. I, I, I love those calls. Uh, I, I, I wish we would honestly get more. Uh, I love your, your questions about different companies and different asset classes, ETFs, et cetera, but you have stuff to add to the show, to teach people uh, pitfalls, things that you've learned throughout your investing career or uh, endeavors. And I'd love to hear that. So thank you, Gene, for calling and, and uh, contributing in that way and encourage you all to do that at some point as well. So thanks again. Now let's pivot back to the invest talk voice bank. This question came in earlier on 888
1: chart Hi, Stephen Justin, this is Rick from Florida. Thank you for a great show. I have a question on, and your opinion, your opinion on stock IDXX, IDEX Laboratories. Just wanted to see what you think I'm thinking about buying it. And also related to that, I, I've heard in so many uh, TV shows or website about financial stocks, about it doesn't matter where the stock is paying, what the cost has been. It's more like, where is it going? So not to worry about what the price you're buying it at. Of course, I don't think that's correct, but I like your opinion on that too.
2: Well, I'll address the last one first, and it's definitely, you know, in the long run, not correct. In the long run, earnings matter, matter. Because you're always going to, you know, you've had this environment where profits don't matter, money's cheap. The cost of capital is very low. And so multiples expanded and uh, the market kind of ignored companies that don't make money. But as you're starting to see, you always enter a period where liquidity is not as abundant and money actually costs something. And soon as the tide shifts, momentum wanes in that particular area of the market. Uh, the refo- The focus then is on earnings. And so longer term, Earnings absolutely matter, and the price you're paying for that level of earnings is extremely important, because that ultimately will put a floor in the price of that stock. And so, yes, the future is is definitely most important, but you 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 do need to pay at least a reasonable price for the companies you're paying you're you're, you're buying. If you wish to be successful longer term now short term, once again you could continue with the momentum and do well over a, a relatively short period of time year or two. but the tide always turns and you want your companies to fall back on their solid business, solid earnings uh, and you don't want to overpay for them. so uh, that's to address the second part now. IDXX is IDEX Laboratories, and this is develops and manufactures diagnostic products and services for the veterinarian, veterinary community and market. And this is a company that has been growing substantially. 2014, eight, $2 a share. Next year, it's supposed to make $9.46 a share. Problem here is back to your second part, which was valuation. Enterprise value even is $55. 55, just egregiously high. And it's just way overvalued. Our value is closer to $200 a share. Now we're at $650, $651. So definitely good company, good cash flows, good profits, but egregiously overvalued. Now, the next invest talk this story. More employers are putting 401k savings on autopilot. About 62% of businesses with 401k plans use automatic enrollment in 2020, up from 60% the year prior, and 46% a decade ago. I'll get into that issue tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 ninety nine chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? Each day, Invest Talk
0: listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
1: Hi, Stephen Justin, I'm calling in with a question on O Realty Income Corporation and was looking to get your opinion and wanted to find out what you think would be a good entry point. I will be listening to your podcast and hopefully uh, to hear the answer soon. Thank you.
2: Are looking at Realty Income Corp. This is one of the largest REITs out there. It is a retail REIT, meaning that they own Let's see, what was it? 6,500 properties in 49 different states. And they describe themselves as the monthly dividend company. And that's uh, why a lot, there are a lot of investors uh, that like this name because they do pay out a monthly dividend. <clears throat> Unlike a lot of companies, most companies are quarterly and most REITs are quarter, quarterly. Now, the issue here is clear. They're focused on retail. And you could argue that longer term, there are some headwinds to retail. You could also argue that maybe we're near the end or the, the, the slowdown of the demise in, in retail. And realty with history of being well-operated, making smart acquisitions, that they're best suited to handle a retail environment like this because of their scale, because of their size. And I probably wouldn't disagree with that. So if I'm going to invest in a retail REIT, this is probably near the top of the list. Now, I like REITs right now. Interest rates are kind of going sideways. The economy is slowing into the first half of next year. And that typically is an environment where REITs do well. You've seen that recently. And so I like REITs. I don't love retail REITs. But once again, if I'm going to pick one, this is near the top of the list because of that diversity because of the history of being good stewards of capital and a lot of times that's underrated the story behind the broad company and the operating environment that they're in can oftentimes be overshadowed from a business perspective when it's being run well, and they're making good decisions with your money, meaning they're not overpaying for properties, they're they are being careful to up investments in growing markets, for example, and therefore, even though the broad retail sector is having its challenges, they're investing smartly in the subsectors of the economy that mean that they're still gonna earn strong returns on capital. And that's what Realty has shown throughout the years. So I'm gonna give this a relative thumbs up, although I prefer other areas of the REIT market. Now my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, smart tips to lower your federal income tax bill before 2021 ends. I don't have time to get through the entire list, but I'll give you just a few. Now, the first is the fur bonuses. Hey, we all, uh, most people get some sort of Christmas bonus, end of year bonus. Maybe you can ask your employer to give it to you in January instead of December. That's what they plan to do. It's one way of doing it. Number two, accelerate deductions. Defer income, bring expenses into 2021 from 2022. Accelerating deduction, one example. If you own properties, you're depreciating them. You can change the depreciation schedule. Obviously, you want to talk to your CPA about that. Others, we did this here. My uh, girlfriend, she's a doctor, she has her own practice, bought a car that was over a certain amount of pounds right off the entire amount in 2021. That's an accelerated deduction. Number three, donate to charity. That's simple. That's easy. But what about your RMDs? Remember that you can actually contribute your RMDs directly to a charity. Then you don't have to worry about the rigmarole of taking that and then writing, you know, donating it and writing that off. It can go directly to the charity and then you don't have to worry about paying taxes on that contribution or that RMD. Now this is best talk. Let's fit another caller question here. This one came from a listener in Florida on eight eighty eight ninety-nine chart.
0: Hey guys, this is Josh in Tampa. Love the show,
2: long time listening.
1: Another question regarding Camping World Holdings. Picker CWH. Uh wondering if uh what your thoughts are on it. They just recently doubled the dividend last quarter and I own a little bit of it, but I was looking to add some more and just one or thoughts. Thanks for the show. Bye.
2: <clears throat> All right, Camping World Holdings. They provide services, protection plans, products, and resources for RV enthusiasts across the United States. Well, this is another one of those COVID shutdown stocks that did very, very well in 2020. They actually lost $0.33 in 2019, but made $5.61 in 2020, which is a record high in earnings, until this year. When they're expected to make $6 and 85 cents for the entire full year. They've already made over $8. It looks like. So what are they going to lose money? Interesting. In The final quarter. But for next year, it's supposed to make $6 and 60 cents down 4%. Well, the good thing is it looks like, let me look at their debt situation. Yeah. They have a decent amount of debt. They're, They're not not earning the cash flow or the earnings to pay out this level of dividend. So I'm not sure they're playing here. Now, their debt levels are not egregious. Their cash flows are relatively strong. But to me, this is all a product of the COVID world. People are trying to get out of city centers. A lot of baby boomers retiring, selling off their businesses and buying RVs, traveling across the country, across the country, having extra cash in their pocket. Now there'll still be a continuation of that effect for a bit, but longer term, I think that abates for the most part. And so this has gone from the single digits in price Uh, per share pre pandemic to $41 today. I'm not buying it. I'm passing. I think, uh, you're being, I think, duped by raising the dividend. And what you have to remember is dividends, as always, are not sacrosanct. Dividends can go up and they can go down very easily. And so just because they recently raised their dividend doesn't mean that they're actually going to be able to afford that dividend longer term. And so I'm passing on CWH, Camping World Holdings. Now let's touch a bit on the jobs market. And Jerome Powell said last week that higher stock prices, home prices, savings accounts, are leading to some people to stay home rather than return to work. Some families going from dual income to single income. And he thinks that the labor force may get a boost as those savings are dwindling. And all indications are that that's true. Now, in March 2020, Congress sent out stimulus checks, enhanced unemployment benefits, extra $600 per week, Child tax, child tax credit, $1,600 per child, government suspending student loan payments, which I just extended again another 90 days, and personal savings rates hit an all-time high in April of last year, 33.8%. That was up from 8.3% in February of last year. So, households have built up $2.7 trillion of excess savings above what they had before the pandemic. Now, those households that were kind of middle income, 45 to 69,000, those families, their checking account, average checking account balance rose by more than 50% from January 2020 to the spring. That's according to J.P. Morgan. And what happened? Well, the labor force participation rate fell sharply. 61.8 61.8 November, one and a half percentage points below pre-pandemic levels. Now, if you look back in history, the last crisis, falling housing and stock values from 2006 to 2010, led many who had fallen out of the workforce to get back in. In fact, the Federal Bank of Chicago found that participation was 0.7% higher than otherwise would have been. Meaning people were forced back into the labor force to pay their bills. And this is supported by study after study. Families that win at least $30,000 in lottery tend to earn less in the next five years, less incentive, less need. And the more the person wins, the bigger the effect on earnings and employment in the future. In Austria, workers who receive severance payments worth of two months of pay, were far less likely to find a job within 20 weeks than those that didn't receive such lump lump sum. And the Federal Bank of Richmond, they wrote in November, that the pandemic aid has likely led many workers to stay out of the workforce. They conclude that roughly $2 trillion in pandemic assistance, about $16,000 per household, accounts for a 0.58 percentage point decline in the working age population. The ratio total fell 2.6%. So it can't account for all of it or isn't accounting for all of it, but it's a big percentage. But that's likely to fade, why? Because for the first time in October, the savings rate fell to 7.3% below pre-pandemic savings levels. And those, those checking account balances that J.P. Morgan follows, obviously, they've fallen quickly, especially those in the bottom half of the income distribution. So, what that's all saying is the labor side of the inflation picture is likely to decelerate going into 2022. Another reason, while although... Inflation is in the headlines. It's going to moderate. Question is, at what level? Is it four percent, three percent, two percent? I think that will have a big impact on Fed policy and on market dynamics going into next year. But understand that these are cyclical figures. Now we are in a now in a secular, likely inflationary environment. But that doesn't mean you can't have cyclical fluctuations. On top of that now the clock is ticking down to the end of 2021 just three full days remaining in this year and at this point most investors may have some work to do with regards to balancing their portfolios so if you need help i encourage you to reach out to myself or steve peasley at our company kpp financial where we operate with the same philosophy which is independent thinking and shared success now how do we do that well we implement unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office in Irvine at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now let's head back to our investtalk voice bank for this question.
1: Hello, my name
2: is John from New York, and I just want to know your thoughts on a specific stock. I'm looking at Penn National Gaming, ticker P-E-N-N.
1: I just want to know what's your advice on whether this is something that you should invest in or not. I know with their acquisition or part-time ownership of Barstool Sports, I believe this is something that could grow in the future, but I just want to know your thoughts. Thank you. Have a
2: good day. Well, this is uh, Penn National Gaming, and you're right. This uh, had a big boost when they acquired Barstool Sports last year. And Dave Portnoy, who is uh, really the the driving force behind the popularity of Barstool Sports and why it's doing so well, well, there was kind of a a bad article written uh, on his, I guess, his uh, personal life, uh, and that's hit it. But I think that means uh, buying opportunities. So down here, uh, between 40 and $50 a share, I think is a, a good buy. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve Financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: To Mike in Arizona, looking at Toll Brothers. Yes,
3: hello, Justin. Thanks
2: for taking my call.
1: And, of course. Uh, yes, I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, Toll Brothers, and I was hoping to get uh, your
3: opinion of this
2: stock. Okay. Well. First, you have to understand that the housing industry is always very cyclical, and it always depends on uh, interest rates and where interest rates are headed. And so far, interest rates have been relatively tame, yeah, even though you have uh, the plan for the Fed to uh, lift lift uh, interest rates. Uh, that hasn't remember that's always baked into the market, uh, and it hasn't really had a large impact on uh, mortgage rates. So that's a good thing. Now, Toll Brothers is supposed to make $10 this year, record high, it's almost $12 next year. And they're a very well-run home builder. Not my favorite thing within the industry, but uh, I do like it. I do like this uh, this sector as a whole. Um, so in the near term and the long term, I like this. But know that it is very, very cyclical, it's very, very up and down, and you need to be prepared for that. Uh, the chart is strong, and so I'm gonna give Toll Brothers a thumbs Thanks for the call. So I got a, I'm having a mic short uh, in my uh, system. So I'll have to fix that after the show. But let's uh, lastly get to stock buybacks. And even though they're in the Build Back Better plan, there is a potential one percent excise tax on uh, stock repurchases that has not slowed plans for public companies to buy back shares. And the reason is, is because there's a lot of cash on balance sheets companies in the sp500 held 3.78 trillion dollars in cash and cash equivalents at the end of the third quarter that's up from 3.4 trillion a year before and only 2.2 trillion in 2019 so most of the companies uh, have a, a lot of money and not a lot to spend it on now for the year about to close, 2021, share repurchases at companies in the S&P are expected to hit an estimated record, $850 billion, up 63.6% from last year. Now, a lot of companies paused their share buyback last year, so you're talking about a low base. But even if you go back to 2019, normal times, it's still up 16.6% from those levels. Now, in the third quarter of this year, buybacks top 234 billion dollars that was exceeded the record in the fourth quarter of 2018 of 223 so they continue to ramp it up and when it comes to dividends companies paid out an average of $15.36 36 cents a share in the third quarter also up from a peak of almost $14 last year now the SEC is proposing as of mid, mid this month greater disclosure on buybacks which would compel companies to detail the rationale for why they're doing them and their criteria used to determine the amount of shares to be repurchased. So the method to their badness. I think this is more of box checking. I don't think it's really going to deter companies from doing it, but I do think a 1% tax will now is once again, the 1% tax going to greatly change the calculus. No, but it can at the margins. Especially, potentially, if they're spend, they're borrowing money to do it, meaning they're doing some sort of leveraged buyout of their own shares, which is not uncommon. But it leads to businesses that are overly levered, and then you get into a bad economic environment, and they need a bailout. Think of Boeing, right? So, I think that's what the one percent tax is trying to address. Will that actually work? We'll see in practice, but. That is uh, something that will definitely be helpful for 2022. Is likely a lot of cash sitting there on company balance sheets, ready to buy back stock. Now I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now on our way to seven thirty-seven and a half million downloads. Thanks to you. Get yours anytime on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, share success. This is the Best Talk. Good night.
3: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent I I in the, the, the format issue. of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.